Hello, and welcome to Are We There Yet? Market Scales Transportation Mobility-Focused Video Podcast Series, where we explore the most cutting-edge organizations, companies, and projects in all of transportation. And today, we'll speak about some of the innovation and things that are happening in the world of aviation, and more specifically, the world of urban air mobility. As Charles Alcock, senior editor with AIN Media Group, recently described it, urban air mobility, or UAM, has become a buzzword in the mainstream transportation industry with high-profile companies like Uber, Bell, and Sikorsky jumping into the fray. Within response to this, leading aviation regulators, including the FAA in the U.S. and EASA in Europe, for example, are stepping up their engagement within the electric vertical takeoff space and urban air mobility sector and setting the standards that will be set and met within the industry. At the same time, there's important areas and things happening within ground infrastructure, air traffic management, power technologies, and avionics, for example, preparing for the commercialization of urban air mobility and integration within our daily lives. This has become such a buzzword and there are a lot of things happening. And so here today to shed some light on what's happening in the industry and to really help us understand the importance of this emerging area is Charles with AIN Media Group, a senior editor and longtime industry writer to tell us a little bit more about really what's happening. Charles, hello and welcome to Are We There Yet? Grant, it's great to be with you. What a great topic. Well, thank you so much. It, it is a great topic and one of really my, my favorite areas in all of transportation. And we hear so much of it today. And so I'm really excited today for the opportunity to get to speak with you and learn a little bit about really what's happening. Um, Charles, I, I have to uh, compliment you, if I may, for a minute before we jump into the conversation, because I'm a, a big fan of yours and Aviation International News and, and especially Future Flight. I think that you do such a great job of really kind of going beyond all of the the press releases and hype and really providing some very you know unbiased independent analysis of what's really happening so i know the entire industry really appreciates you ain and especially future flight within uam for for covering this important area so thank you for all of that and again really appreciate you taking the time to talk thank today. you grant that's very that's very encouraging we we pick a thing we try and do well and, and we stuck at it but i'm glad you appreciate yeah. it I do very much so, very much so. Um, I'm very familiar with with a lot of what's happening in the, in the industry, and uh, there are so many companies and individuals really devoted to um, making this happen. Uh, but there's a lot of individuals out there that aren't so familiar, you know, with this area within aviation. So before we kind of jump into the topic today, which I know is going to be a lot of fun, would appreciate if you wouldn't mind maybe taking a moment to define uh, a few things within urban air mobility. Um, to start, would you mind just defining a uh, UAM and what exactly that means. Yes, certainly. Urban air mobility is a phrase that got coined three or four years ago, something like that, among a group of, let's call them pioneers, innovators, who looked at a, a very specific problem, namely way too many of our cities are just getting completely gridlocked, um, in some cases almost impossible with any quality of life to, to move around in. And they thought, hey, there's got to be an aviation-based solution to this. And so that's the journey they set out on. And the enablers for this to even be feasible are a couple of key things. Number one, distributed electric propulsion, which has allowed aircraft developers to have a totally new approach 
to how aircraft are powered. And we can talk about that some more. And specifically how you could apply this to vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that could basically get in and around cities in ways that no airplane has ever been able to do before. So that's how the term got coined. Um, since then, some people have decided, you know what, that's, that's a bit too restrictive of a mission. Let's call this instead advanced air mobility. And then we can explore how these aircraft could be used in ways that, that go beyond, uh, big city problems. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we think about urban air mobility or advanced uh, air mobility, uh, VTOL and EVTOL, as you've defined for us now, you know, within the space uh, as well, what are some of the, the ways that, that this will really impact our lives? And so, you know, for, for those out there that maybe aren't so familiar with this area, um, what, what exactly does this mean? How will we start to see this in the coming years within our daily lives? Sure. Well, let me try and paint a picture for you, Grant. So first of all, you know, this, this, uh, this initiative, for want of a better word, has gone from being something that seemed just way off in the distance, almost like the manned flight to Mars type uh, mission. And now, potentially, we're less than 24 months away from this being a reality. The first commercial services could start potentially in 2025. So let me paint a picture for you of what that might look like. In the main use case that is being talked about is, is basically air taxis. So these would be mainly quite small aircraft that would seat no more than about four or five passengers. And they would operate as part of the city's uh, public transportation system. So in a place like uh, what I call the South Florida corridor between Miami and West Palm Beach, just as you have, you know, ground taxis and Ubers, and you also have some trains there, um, you would have a network of air taxis landing on top of public buildings and providing a way for people to switch from one form of transportation to the other to get the best available option. So that's that's a big part of what it could look like. Some of the more long range aircraft could potentially connect communities that are, that are, I don't know, 150 miles or so apart, but a lot of it will just be within cities. But there are other cases. So just quickly, for example, the other way these aircraft could get used is to, for, for emergency medical services. You know, there's been a road accident at the moment. It's very challenging to get an ambulance into a, a scene of a critical accident or get a helicopter in. These aircraft could be used for things like that as well. So th those are the sort of things that they have in mind. Yeah, very exciting. For many of us it, outside of the industry, it seems like this is all happening all of a sudden. Right now in 2023, um, you know, for many individuals out there, this idea of an air taxi, as you've just described, might be the first time they've ever heard uh, about all of this. And so it seems like this is really all happening all of a sudden. But as I understand, and in fact, it isn't. This really represents many, many years of uh, development and is responding to major trends and shifts that are happening within the, the wider world of, of aviation. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about kind of the shift in, in aviation and how a lot of this has kind of led to the advancement of advanced air mobility, for example. Yes, absolutely. First of all, there's, there's, there's nothing uh, all of a sudden about it. This has basically been in the works for the best part of a decade. And some of the pioneering companies like Joby, for instance, in California, have been at working on this for 10 years. Now, it, it has sort of achieved a momentum in recent years and become a bit more real. 
for several reasons. Number one, the technology has really leapt forward. Whereas, you know, in the early years, the engineers were still trying to figure out how everything would actually work. And a big, big question mark was, well, fine, electric aircraft, bring it on. But are the batteries going to be capable enough? Well, the batteries are now capable enough to at least support early use cases. The other thing that was a game changer, of course, is money. Suddenly in the last two or three years, venture capitalists and other investors really got behind this and said, yes, we can see a return on this investment and we're going to pile in there and put a lot of capital into it. But you raise a great point. You know, air taxis, is, are the traveling public ready for this? And if I had one criticism, let's say, of this of this industry, it would be, I'm not sure they've really done full-blown market research. You know, if if I'm in my local pub and somebody says to me, hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, well, I write about air taxis. You know, I get a funny look, like, what on earth are you talking about? We've never heard about this. Nobody's asked us whether we want any air taxis. So I think the story of the next 18 months to two years should be focused on community engagement, making sure that these things really are wanted and just how they're wanted. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. Looking at that specifically and, and whether individuals want an, an air taxi, if they do and they're excited about it and uh, look forward to um, integrating kind of the, this idea of air taxis into their, their daily life, kind of at, a, at an even higher level, um, is this something that, that the industry really needs? When you talk about public transportation, I certainly within, um, you know, emergency medical services, uh, you know, for example, I can see some application and how that would be a, a, a tremendous, um, you know, solution uh, uh, within the industry, but kind of looking at just the industry, looking at public transportation is a better way, you know, um, a, a new way to, you know, within public transportation really, really needed within the industry. Well, I, I think, I, th I think it is, there is a necessity to improve public transport and we need something to break the current gridlock and, and, adding yet more cars into the mix, I think most people would agree is not the answer. So we do need something new. But to your point, I think the only way this is going to be meaningful as part of the public transportation dilemma is if it can be scaled up to such a magnitude, in other words, so many thousands of these little air taxis, that the price point for it becomes um, truly open to a, a wide array of consumers, who at the moment you know, the vast majority of people really have no prospect of riding in a chartered helicopter, which is the current version of this, basically. And so there is a, let's call it a big divide between what private and business aviation currently offers, which is frankly, you know, something for quite wealthy and entitled people to something that is truly mass market. I don't think that's going to happen overnight. I do think it has the potential to happen as it gets scaled up over a decade or so some of these companies have bragged to me oh yeah this is this is you know these things are going to cost no more than an uber x ride you know this is something we expect everybody from students to attorneys to nurses to be able to use in their daily life i i pray that's the case but mm -hmm. it, they won't get there overnight yeah Yep. Interesting. So you, you, you've really painted the picture now and really appreciate that into kind of the wider world of aviation, some things that are happening in the industry, some of the demand that we are seeing, uh, whether this is a solution and really kind of um, addressing uh, a demand will kind of be determined within some of the other areas that we've mentioned. So I think we have kind of a nice idea now of things that are happening and specifically the technology and the funding and some of the things that you mentioned that have kind of set the stage for this. And so now coming back 
uh, to, to what you mentioned earlier within our conversation um, about uh, the, the possibility um, of us starting to see this inside of 24 months. I mean, that's an incredible, a, a, a very short period of time to where we might start seeing, you know, some of these companies in the sky. Where are some of the first places uh, that, uh, that you imagine will we'll begin to see, you know, some of these uh, services within urban air mobility uh, happening? Well, in the United States, where you are, the the what I call the early adopter cities or communities would include definitely Los Angeles. The mayor of Los Angeles has signed up and made it clear he wants this to be part of the city's future. In Miami, the mayor of Miami has has said, "Yep, let's let's work towards introducing this." I've also heard, uh, for example, Dallas in Texas uh, supposedly has an interest in this, um, and uh, some of the early customers, by which I mean the, the, the operating companies for these EVATOLs, who include United Airlines and American Airlines, big names, they're talking about launching services in places like the New York City area, Chicago area, and that would mainly be for moving people to and from city centers out to the, the big airports like Newark International Airport uh, in the New York area. Those would be kind of shuttle services probably for first class passengers to start with. So those are the sorts of things. And uh, the, the leading names like Joby and Archer Aviation say that they're confident that they will have everything approved with the FAA to be able to start services in, in 2025. So that's why I say in potentially less than 24 months from now. Ahead of that in Europe where I am, uh, this time next year will be the Paris Summer Olympic Games. And at the Paris Summer Olympic Games, there's been an initiative to have some early, let's call them sort of demonstration flights to show the capability of, of an aircraft produced by a German company called Volocopter. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be a big scale. They're only going to fly a limited number of people around. Supposedly, France's president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, is going to be the world's first air taxi passenger during those Olympic Games. So that's a year away now in, in 2024. And then across the globe uh, in South Korea, uh, there is a government-led initiative to introduce EVATOL services in several cities there. Japan also wants a piece of this. Uh, in China, there are a couple of companies producing EVATOLs. Supposedly, they're going to have services in places like Shanghai. Mm -hmm. um, Singapore, too, I think, is on that list. So those are the types of places. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a, a, a bit of a, a race, so to speak. Uh, it is. In, in yeah, in terms of who will kind of demonstrate this first, where what what country we might start seeing, you know, some of this happening the first time. That that's interesting. Kind of kind of think of the the the, the space race, you know, in 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 a way, and kind of what's happening in urban air mobility. But it seems to be also, you know, uh, in in kind of contrast to that, very collaborative. Many of these organizations seem to have operations and projects uh, across the world. Do you do you find that to be true? Uh, yes, it is. And and then there's a particular reason why there has to be a high degree of collaboration. I mean, you've got, you've got some say several hundred different, let's call them vehicle developers who are all trying to produce aircraft. Only a handful of those honestly are going to get to market. But the reason there has to be collaboration is because for this to work, you can't just have the aircraft. You also have to have the so-called ecosystem. You also have to have... Um, Basically, uh, the ground infrastructure, meaning you have to have places where you can land these aircraft. They're calling them vertiports. You have to 
be sure that they can be safely integrated into the air traffic management system. And as I said before, you probably want them to be integrated as part of the public transportation system. So whoever runs the, the trains in a city or the, or the taxis, you want them to be part of that equation. And so there is a lot of collaboration. In all these places I've named, they've, they've set up sort of working groups um, where they're going to, to try and make sure all those, all those bits of the ecosystem are in place. And it's a big, big job. And to be honest, if this doesn't launch in 2025, probably one of the main reasons will be because all those aspects haven't been fully taken care of. That's probably at least as difficult as getting the aircraft ready. Yeah. Are, are there certain aspects within those that you've just described where, okay, kind of that area is done, we're ready to go, we still are waiting maybe on some of the ground infrastructure between now and say a year or two years from now when we start to see this in the skies? Are there certain things that still have really, you know, yet to be developed and really some big things need to happen before we'll start to, to see this in the sky? Uh, yes, I would say probably one of the, the most complex aspects of this um, is the question of, you know, how the air traffic management system will deal with this. I mean, so obviously around major public airports, uh, for those to operate safely, they have to be part of the, in, in the case of the U.S., the national air traffic management system. And then there are very, very specific rules for how aircraft can operate in, in other parts of the airspace. And what you're proposing here is for suddenly we're going to throw in hundreds more of these completely new types of aircraft that are going to operate slightly differently from what we have today. And, you know, for, as I said before, for them to be scaled up, there will actually have to be quite a high degree of automation because if every single one of them has to be controlled by an individual air traffic controller, speaking to the pilot, giving that pilot permission to, you know, increase to a higher altitude or go down, it's just going to be too cumbersome. And there are some really, really smart people working on how that can be automated, how that could, uh, I, I'm not saying be completely sort of no human in the loop, but certainly a high degree of automation. That's not going to be easy. And then, you know, I casually refer to these vertiports. Well, you know, city planners aren't just going to let people start landing aircraft on any, on any, you know, random bit of land that they find. That's all going to have to be carefully planned. You can't just have aircraft touching down anywhere they like. And there's, you know, pedestrians walking around. I mean, you know what human beings are like. You can't necessarily depend upon common sense everywhere you go. <laughs> mm -mm. No, no way. Yeah. In your opinion, and, uh, you know, a very cutting edge kind of up-to-date understanding of the latest that's happening within all of these areas and the companies and projects within each of these areas that are kind of leading the way, um, you know, fitting kind of within the Are We There Yet series, taking all of this into consideration, in your opinion, will this all happen and get there so that, you know, we'll actually see some of these in the sky in Paris in about a year or in a couple of years here in the United States. Do you think it's it's going to happen? Are, are we going to yeah. be there in, in a year or so? Yes, I, I think within two years, maybe three years, you're going to see, you know, limited scale use cases in the sort of places that we've been discussing. And I think what will then happen is that uh, there'll be a sort of, what's the term, fear of missing out. Other cities will look at that and say, hey, how come Los Angeles has this incredible air taxi system? And how come Dallas suddenly has, you know, electric uh, zero emissions um, flying ambulances to, to rescue people from car wrecks? We need a piece of that. And 
as the, and all the time, by the way, the technology doesn't stand still. I refer to the batteries. They're getting better all the time. So these early, some of these early aircraft will be quite limited. They might only be able to fly 30, 40 miles, something like that, far enough to get across a big city. Um, but they're getting better all the time. And some of the designs can get up to about 150 miles. There's talk of them getting beyond that. Um, and to be honest, I think it could, you asked about timing. I think it's going to be more like a decade before this is a really, really ubiquitous aspect of public transportation. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. So you mentioned public transportation, um, air taxi service, for example, uh, emergency medical services. It, any other applications, even long term, 5, 10, 15 years down the road, any other applications uh, that you're especially excited about within advanced air mobility? Yes, absolutely. So to be honest, the thing that gets me most excited about this isn't actually the air taxis themselves. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. And I've, you know, volunteered to be a guinea pig riding in one of those. But what gets me more excited as somebody who's tracked this industry for several decades is that this is part of a technological continuum and it doesn't stop with air taxis flying 30, 40 miles. So, you know, we mentioned the fact that most of these aircraft are going to be electric. Well, that has a huge implication for the discussion about how environmentally sustainable air transport can be. Because, um, you know, a lot of people aren't mindful of this, but there is a commitment that was made in Paris several years ago by governments to achieve so-called net zero carbon by 2050. It's not a suggestion. It's a legally binding agreement that countries have committed to. And aviation is going to be a massive part of that. So this electric propulsion gives the core building block to move air transport away from depending on fossil fuels. It's not going to get there overnight. But the people who are now working on so-called battery electric aircraft are leading the way towards a future that could well include hydrogen-powered aircraft using hydrogen with fuel cells to produce electricity in ways that's far more uh, effective than, than being limited by batteries. And so over the next decade and even two decades, I think we're on an incredible journey that is going to take us from short-range electric taxis right up to airliners potentially powered by hydrogen being much, much cleaner, if not totally clean. Um, and, you know, in Europe where I am, this is a really, really big issue. There are people protesting at airports. There are people saying, hey, aviation people, you know, your future is by no means assured. You know, you're destroying our planet. So you better have a good plan to stop doing that. And this is part of that plan. I find that enormously exciting. Uh, and then there's the whole question of the of the autonomous technology, the automation, uh, which is no less transformative in different ways. Very much so. What an exciting future. Uh, a lot to look forward to in the industry and really interesting, too. I think that's an incredible point that a lot of what's happening within advanced air mobility is is really um, within the wider aviation industry, really driving uh, a lot of that technology development and move towards uh, sustainability, as you shared, which I know is so important within uh, the the wider world of aviation today. So really, really exciting to uh, to hear that and the autonomous development, too. I, I find that fascinating as as well. Do you, um, you know, talking about kind of the air taxi service uh, for a moment in, in that application, do you see potential, too, for this kind of um, moving also towards uh, the the ability or opportunity for just individuals, non-pilots, as we might define it today, um, having their own personal 
you know, air mobility vehicle uh, as an alternative to driving cars? Is that something, uh, you know, potential within uh, some of the development and things that were happening within the industry as well or, or totally separate? It, no, it's not totally separate. It is definitely an aspect of it. Um, and it is true that a good number of these EVATOL aircraft uh, that are being developed, in theory, could be sold to individuals. I mean, some people use the phrase flying car. I'm not a huge fan of that phrase because it somewhat trivializes and, and simplifies the complexity of it. Um, I think the, I'm not saying that will not happen. I think a version of that will happen. But back to our conversation about the complexity of the ecosystem and the regulatory environment, I think it's a stretch to see city authorities and air safety regulators being totally comfortable with almost anybody who's got the most basic private pilot's license, or maybe not even that, just buying one of these things and flying flying it wherever the heck they like from their front driveway to, to where they work or or, or their weekend vacation home. Um, and it's because, you know, it's going to be tough enough to get this in safe service with fully professional pilots, with major airlines like United getting behind it. That's going to be hard enough. If you suddenly say, hey, anybody who's got, you know, uh, half a million dollars to spare, why don't you have one and do whatever you like with it? I just don't see that working all over the place. I mean, I guess there could be some exceptions. If you, uh, you know, you, you, you're very wealthy, you have a ranch somewhere out in, in the wilds of Colorado, and you're going to use it on a fairly limited basis, mm -hmm. not in and around cities. Yeah, that, that might work, but not, you know, every Tom, Dick or Harry is going to have one of these right away. Sure, sure. And probably a good thing uh, that especially that's going to happen. I, I right personally away. think so. I'm a big yeah. fan of professional yeah. uh, air services. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking then to, to kind of what, what will happen certainly much sooner than that and what is happening today uh, with many of these companies working uh, with the operators, I think that's fascinating that organizations like United, uh, as you mentioned, and American Airlines uh, already heavily involved in the space. Would you tell us a little bit more about that collaboration? It's It's interesting to me that we're not talking about totally new organizations, new operators uh, that will um, uh, lead the advanced air mobility space, that in fact, it will be some of these traditional operators. And that makes sense to me. But would you talk a little bit about kind of that collaboration between these leading companies and the operators and kind of moving towards the commercialization of this together? Yes, absolutely. So what, what has been happening? And first of all, it's a fairly recent move that some of these big airlines are getting involved in this. And I think it's a sign of how serious they are about the need to be part of this huge change momentum that I've tried to describe to you. Uh, so what is happening in practice is, you know, some of these, some of these airlines, some of these operators, it's not just airlines, it's major helicopter operating groups, major business aviation operators are buying into this like NetJets. And they are working with the manufacturers to um, come up with what in the industry we call a concept of operations. And what that basically means is if you're going to start a whole new type of air service, you better be able to go to the authorities and say, here is my plan. This is how I'm going to do this. Here are the assurances that I'm going to give you uh, that this is going to be done safely and appropriately. And that's what's in the works at the moment. So some potential use cases that I know are being actively planned are how do we get people from the center of Manhattan to Newark Liberty International Airport across the Hudson River in New Jersey? I know that in Chicago, 
they are actively working on a plan for how do you get people to and from Chicago O'Hare Airport? Where would we land those aircraft? What sort of security controls would we have to have? Because a big question there is if you're going to carry people to an airport, what would be most valuable is if you can take them, as we call it, airside. In other words, on the on the aircraft side of the security lines and get them straight to the record. Can you imagine how cool that would be if you could bypass all that uh, that headache that you find at almost every airport? But the the trouble is, you know, how is that going to work from a security point of view? Uh, you know, I just don't see the authorities saying, "Oh, sure, just fly everybody in there. We don't need to check their bags." Sadly, post nine eleven, you know, that's never going to be on the table again. So people are trying to work around around that conundrum. And there's a lot of, you know, there are professional pilots involved in this, as I said, air traffic controllers mm -hmm. as well. A lot of effort is going into making that safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, All around the world, exciting. by the well, way, not just the US, They're in the in the UK yeah. and Europe, there's work on this too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes, makes a lot of sense. I know, uh, you know, most times I'm traveling in whatever city that that may be, uh, getting to the airport, uh, you know, often takes longer than, than the flight itself. So if there's a solution to get individuals uh, within some of these major metropolitan areas to the airport a lot quicker, uh, even still having to go through security, that that would be a, a big improvement. So really excited to, to hear that. Uh, I, I think, Charles, you've done just a incredible job of kind of painting the picture of, of what's happening in the wider world of aviation, kind of bringing this down into the world of advanced air mobility for us and how this is so important within the wider industry. And, and gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, uh, you know, to learn through you today that, that within about a, a year or so, we may see this happening in Paris and a couple of years down the road or even less in, in other parts of the world. So that's very exciting. Um, are there a handful of companies within advanced air mobility that, that you feel are really on kind of the, the, the cutting edge and that will be some of the first uh, that we'll see uh, in the skies? I'd, I'd love to learn about maybe a few of the companies that, that you see that are really you know, driving this uh, within the industry. Yes, absolutely. So I've already mentioned uh, a couple there uh, in the United States, Joby and Archer, I mm -hmm. would say are leaders. There are other companies too, uh, like Jaunt Air Mobility, for example, in Europe, the leaders are Volocopter and Lilium, both of whom happen to be in Germany. In the United Kingdom, where I am, there's a company called Vertical Aerospace that's working on an Evatol and Virgin Atlantic Airways have committed to operating that. Um, in China, uh, there are two companies, one called Ehang, one called Autoflight, producing evitols or developing evitols fascinating in the case of ehang they're saying we're not even going to have a pilot we're going to it's going to be autonomous from day one i don't totally see how that's going to work but uh, that's what they say um so those are, are leading developers then i mentioned some of the airlines um we're going to see you know another big part of this is there are companies out there um skyports v ports who are going to be like airport operators you know they're going to be operating the ground infrastructure which is going to be a that's going to be a big business in and of itself how, how that gets operated um that that's going to be a major part of it yeah yeah very interesting very interesting well i i, I would certainly encourage uh individuals out there uh that are interested in this area um to check out your publications as i mentioned aviation international news i really enjoy the the newsletter and and future flight i think just does a really good job of uh, sharing you know what's happening in this world and and highlighting some of these leading companies and projects so again i really appreciate um all of your work there would you mind maybe for individuals organizations out there that aren't yet uh, subscribed uh, uh to maybe 
um, share with them uh, where uh, they can uh, get involved with with AIN and Future Flight and start benefiting from from your insights. Absolutely. So uh, the main platform at the moment that we have for sharing this information and this news is a site called Future Flight, or run together, futureflight.aero. And the main AIN news site, where a lot of this gets shared as well, is AINonline.com. And you can sign up for our free newsletters, uh, get those every, every day or every week as you wish. We'll be glad to share what we know. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much. I've benefited from myself and I know many individuals out there soon uh, will uh, as well uh, through your direction of the website. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And Charles, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with an Are We There Yet? This has been an incredible conversation and a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you getting us all up to speed into what's happening within the urban air mobility world. So thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.